Hi everyone, welcome to Mindful Conversations with me, Laura Maxwell. Today I am joined by Juliet Richards from the Parent Team UK. We are going to be focusing on the very interesting and controversial topic of social media. I hope you enjoy. Now the Parent Team aims to educate us parents to become more skilled in their approach to raising children. They encourage parents to think and to act in ways that will harness real resilience in children and help them thrive in the most healthy ways. It is run by four women, Jenny, Juliet, who we have with us today, Anne and Victoria. And between them, they have nine children, ages between 10 and 20. So happy to have Juliet here with us today. Thank you so much for coming on Mindful Conversations. And um, I think what we'll start with today is bit of your background. I know previously you worked in the financial sector for JP Morgan and then you decided to go into parent. Go into parenting. Go into parenting. Tell us what happened. I sort of became a parent. I had a great job at JP Morgan. It was really fun. Um, At that time of your life it's a really buzzy place to work and I did the advertising across Europe and Asia. It was fun. Okay. and then the team changed um, and all my lovely colleagues got distributed amongst the bank. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I found out I was pregnant and I wasn't very good at being pregnant. Explain. What very, very tired. What does that mean? Okay. And I felt very sick okay. all the time. And my husband, he's very um, good at these things. He said, look, it looks to me like you can't do both things right now. So let's do this baby and see what happens. And then okay. we'll reassess. So I did that baby and then I did another baby. <laughs> And the second baby was much more challenging because sometimes you don't know the kid you're going to get, do you? So I ended up with sort of two under two um, and it never really lined up to go back into that. So you're very quick. um, They're just a year and a half apart. Um, And so suddenly two under two, two under three, two under four, and nothing really, the stars never aligned to go back to that corporate career. Um, But it does make you think all the women and men who do that full time, full on, all attention, career, and then come home and they don't not have a full-on family at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a, that's a real juggle. Um, actually saying that as well, though, staying at home with kids is also is a privilege and a luxury and it can drive you mad. I found it very difficult to move from that environment to being at home with small children who, sorry boys, not desperately interesting um, at times. So I lost a huge amount of confidence in those areas. Yeah, I know that's years. really honest, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would be nodding right now. Um, but tell us what the exactly what the catalyst was that made you go into such a different... It's so interesting how different J.P. Morgan is to what you do now. Well, sort of not, because it's people, it's helping support, all of those things that I think women in particular are quite good at. The catalyst for me was not re- was realizing, looking at my sons and thinking, absolutely adore you. Yeah. And I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and that didn't fit with sort of the way that I like to approach things. If I don't know what I'm doing, I'll either not do it or I'll go and find out how to do it better. Okay. So I went to do a positive parenting course because I just found that, um, I'll give you this example, William's first words were no and bye-bye baby, which isn't desperately positive or optimistic or helpful. So I really wanted to, and I just didn't know how to interact with them. 
So I felt that I was always being very negative, very controlling, very containing mm. to keep them safe and keep them out of trouble. And it, it was just at odds with the way that I wanted to do it. So okay. I learned so how to went do it. to do this course. Um, and I found it trans, not transformative is a really strong word, yeah. But little by little, I was like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and so I trained to teach that course. Um, and I did that for a number of years um, with another company. Um, they moved on, and so the four of us who were working there have set up our own company. Okay. And that sort of And how long ago was that? Uh, so I've been doing this work for about 12 years, okay. I would say. No, it must be more longer than that. So my son's now 22, actually, you're 22 and 20. And I probably started um, this work when they were three or four. Oh, right. And then by the time they were six, seven, eight, I was teaching it and helping other parents. The area that I really want to talk to you about today is the contentious area of social media. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently um, in terms of what I do, in terms of me posting and, and other people. And, you know, at what point is it unhealthy? And I was watching um, the, the Netflix documentary that I really recommend to everyone. It's called The Social Dilemma. don't know if you've seen it, but it was hugely interesting, but very worrying. And... Um, the main worry was for the current teenage, the teenage demographic today, but also, you know, I have young children for the future teenagers. So in your experience, how worried should we be about this? Should we be, as, is, is it as catastrophic as this documentary, for example, is painting? What's your opinion? I would like to say don't worry, but I think we should worry. And I think we, it could, catastrophic is a very strong word. And it sets off a whole limbic reaction in us, which is panic, which isn't going to help us as parents. But I think it has, if we talk about sort of social media, the internet in general, and I think you've always got to bring in a sort of maybe the more boy element, which would be gaming. Mm -hmm. So whether you're looking at sort of social media, gaming, the internet, the whole thing, mm -hmm. it has potential to be catastrophic. That's, that's the real problem. But yeah. if we panic about it and get very negative and punitive and controlling about it that's not going to help our kids learn how to navigate it get the best bits out of it so we've got to find a way to help them realize that there are risks out there okay regulate their own use okay um and get the best out so social media i sort of love because can you imagine lockdown with no social media that's how we kept in touch with people right. there are some really good angles to it but there are some really bad to how they are to look at really good kids to do that. And people have set up businesses and yep. you know, if you create your social media, it can be incredibly inspiring. Mm -hmm. And I follow some amazing people. Um but also very dangerous, very, very dangerous for, for young people that are are easily influenced. So with your in your experience with your boys. How how did you regulate, use that word quite a bit, regulate their usage? So there are a few advantages in being older. First of all, they didn't really have much stuff because they are about the same age as a smartphone, if you see what I mean, about mm -hmm. 20, 22. That was when it was really coming in. So okay. for me, I didn't. they didn't really ask for it or get it. Their friends didn't have it until they were heading towards secondary school. Right. 
it's much harder now. Yeah. Because most of us have got all of these devices lying around in drawers. We don't, you know, you upgrade, you don't always sell your mm. phone on. And so your four-year-olds, oh, can I go on TikTok? And you're like, oh, all right, I'll just show you. It, it, so they're much more widely available and accessible. That makes it really So hard. should we not allow that? We shouldn't. Okay. If you think about it, there are age restrictions on WhatsApp, mm. Instagram, TikTok. Mm. And they're there for commercial and legal reasons. But they're also there to tell you these are not kids' things. Mm. They're just not. And really the reason true. they're not is that you have to have the ability to self-regulate. Yeah. You have to have the ability. You have to have a, a strong self-esteem to go out into the social media totally. world. And you have to say, right, tonight I'm going to put my phone away. And, and I'm not going to... Yes. Or and go to the gym or a walk. Or, yeah. As adults that are functioning, we are able to do that. But a... Ish. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. point. I hope that we can. Mm -hmm. I'm, I definitely do try to. But definitely as children, it's going to be almost impossible. Yeah. So you don't take them into a sweet shop and say, look, look at all these lovely sweets. Make sure you don't eat too much, darling. <laughs> you know, you just wouldn't do that. You'd say, look, you've got 50p or a pound. You can have 250 mm -hmm. grams. And, you know, this is you, you have to eat them before tea and then brush your teeth afterwards. We have no problem mm -hmm. controlling their use of sweets. We don't let them dry. We don't let them, you know, there are lots of things that we, but we feel very weirdly different to think about social media and access because it's so everywhere um so yes we do need to be worried but worried in a positive way mm -hmm. because if we panic we're gonna go all wah right. on them and what happens when we um negatively restrict and control their access they just do it anyway behind our backs yeah but i would seriously think if you haven't already given your child access to the internet and allowed them on social media sites, delay it for as long as possible. Okay. How can we encourage our children, no matter what the age is, if they're staring at screens all day, they're not interacting in real, in real time, to start living in the real life, to interact in real life, in real time? What, what activities can they do that's going to be most helpful, most um, encouraging to that part of their brain? Um, so first of all, you know when you see your child and they're just like staring? They're not actually just staring. They are doing something. Mm -hmm. They're looking, they're being curious, they're integrating, they're particularly teenagers. Okay. What's the job of a teenager is to search for their own identity, not the one that my parents have given me, but my own identity. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to look out, find my tribe, work out what I believe in, where I fit in, how mm -hmm. I look. And all the rest of it. So yes, it looks a very dead sort of thing, but they're not just staring, they're engaging. Yeah. They're being curious, um, they're investigating. And so often on social media, in the moment, mm -hmm. you feel really powerful and connected. And everybody loves to feel like that. So there's a really good reason they're doing it. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So if we don't recognise that first, okay. what we do is we say, Oh, don't say stupid, give me your phone, why are you just why are you being so boring or, okay. you know so I think we have to, to recognize what to, it's giving them to recognize okay. that one it's hard to get off it mm -hmm. because the company spent billions of pounds making sure it's addictive. hard to get off yeah so that's not your child's fault um and two to recognize that it gives them something and then rather than just take the phone away and say well you can't be on the phone go and find something fascinating to do in the real world we have to help them find that same engagement and connection and feeling successful and powerful. 
Mm -hmm. Children very rarely feel powerful, um, partly because we over-legislated, subscribe a lot of their activities. So it's about saying, well, how can we give them what they're getting from the phone or the social media in real life? Mm -hmm. How okay. can we make them feel successful, engaged, powerful, curious, excited? Can you give me maybe one example? Of... Um, I can give you, I think... It, we could make any activity, domestic activity, more powerful, energetic and interesting and mm. engaging if we prescribed less and regulated less. I'm not okay. talking about not keeping your kids safe. Um, I'm not talking about letting them have meal times of abandon and crazy helpful manners or whatever. But I do think that we need to give kids more independence, more autonomy and um, let them enjoy life in real life, wh whatever that may be. So maybe an activity with less rules? I think rules are really important because mm. they keep our kids safe. But we do sometimes do an awful lot of don't do that, don't do that, don't do this, do it this way. Don't put those two blocks of Lego together like that, put them like this. It's Lego, it doesn't matter how he puts them together. So I think it's in the way that we over-direct kids' play. Uh, we over manage some of their day-to-day -day activities which actually they we need to teach them how to manage themselves right does that make sense it, it, i think sometimes we need to back off some of the things that they do because kids are wired to play yeah and we say don't do that don't do this you'll make a mess have you been careful oh you know and so they go oh that's a bit boring then mm. i'll go on my phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah makes sense and i think there's a lot to be said with observing behavior rather mm. than um interrupting behavior having an opinion the whole time like just observe 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 and then if there's something that worries you then bring it up mm. but you know you can have a day where you find yourself saying don't do that don't do that don't do that and by the end of the day it's, you're just exhausted and well, half of it you didn't need to say half of it you'd, maybe even more than half but at Probably. least half of it you didn't need to say and all of that negativity and controlling puts a huge amount of pressure on parents and it makes us feel very negative and the kids don't like it either. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you think about risk and social media, yeah, how do you learn to assess risk? You don't. It's not by being told what's dangerous. It's by working out what's dangerous for yourself. Yeah. So I'm not suggesting we go here. Go on social media and see what happens to you at all. But in little ways, and you know, rather than saying to children, you've got to be careful. You can't do that. And this, that, and the other. We need to be getting them thinking for themselves. What might happen? If you decided, I'm, I'm trying to think of a real world, you've got a lovely playground outside. But in a playground, we say to children, don't do that. You know, be careful, be careful, be careful. What about if we said to them things like, have you got that? Have you thought about this? Are you feeling steady? Is this a good idea for you right now? And just about changing the language. Changing so some slightly. of our language so that they get into self-assessment of risk. And they yeah. say, ooh, feeling a bit wobbly up here. Not sure this is the best thing for me to do right now. What can I do about that? I could ask for help or I could stop. Mm -hmm. And can you see how that little playground analogy might move on into social media and internet use? Absolutely. And a very good analogy. we're not controlling them. We're supporting them. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing, I think, for me, in terms of the risk out there on the internet and with social media and gaming, is that we want our children to recognise when it's not going well. And then what's the next thing you want them to do? 
come and talk to you. Yeah. And if your first response is, well, I told you it was dangerous out there, give me your phone, <laughs> they won't come and tell yeah. you. How do we encourage a healthy self-esteem where we don't feel neither superior nor inferior to our peers? Um, slowly. Slowly over time. Self-esteem evolves slowly. And you're absolutely right that a healthy self-esteem can't involve a ranking or rating or comparison to somebody else. It's about mm -hmm. you and your ability to say, I'm a, I'll use the word good, but I'm a good person. Um, and these are my areas and these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. This is me. I'm a sort of being. Um, so it can't involve comparison with other people. And I'm glad that you used the word encourage, because mm. I think that's all parents can do, mm -hmm. is help a child's self-esteem. And sometimes people say, how can I create <laughs> self-esteem? Well, you know, that's a lot of pressure and it's, it's not going to work. So self-esteem comes from all sorts of places. There's even a genetic component, so slightly linked to personality optimism. Oh, really? So people, well, that's what I'm reading and they're saying that, you know what, they're like, they'll take years to discover the yeah. exact <laughs> gene. Um, but you can see that if you were an optimistic person, the glass is half full. Mm -hmm. You'd probably have a slightly bouncier health self-esteem mm -hmm. than a pessimistic person. Um, but what I'm saying is parents can encourage it, but if you, we have to understand what it really is, which is an internal estimation of your value. Mm -hmm. And children will pick up how they assess themselves by how we assess them. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely, it makes sense. So if we... Are ranking our kids and we all do it a little bit don't we even between siblings we're human so we sort of rank and compare and contrast and we need to avoid doing that if we possibly can keep costs, yeah. our attention on our child and who they are and what they do for themselves um and you know one of the things we yeah. do as parents are you going to confess? I'm sure yes, you've done it. I was going to say yeah. that, you know, you can say, but your brother never did that, you know. And as I'm saying it, I know full well this is so not right, but can't stop yourself. in the heat of the moment, yeah. you know, if one child is being incredibly cheeky and naughty and the other isn't, you're like, well, look at your, your brother's not doing that. How Which is clearly, <laughs> clearly a terrible thing to say, but we've all done it. And we've all done it, and the, kid, and the kids will be fine. Yes. But if we can do it less. And if we just notice help. that it's not helpful, we will, it. we will do it. We will less. do it less. I think so. When we're looking at our children and we're thinking, how do I motivate them to work harder? Mm -hmm. How do I motivate them to do whatever? I know. <laughs> I'll compare them to their friend or their sibling. It, it, it doesn't it, work. It doesn't so work. if we want to motivate kids, we, we need to avoid comparison. But we need to avoid any estimation of our children being involved with other people. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it translates to being an adult too, you know, comparing yourself to your peers, no matter what age, is self-destructive. And, you know, even my age, I do it sometimes. And, you know, I don't know if you, if you uh, ever do it, but- All um, the time. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I, and I stop myself and I know that this is unhealthy, but it, it's something, I don't know if it, it's just something that we're all born with, this comparison thing, but it, it's, it's a horrible feeling and we need to somehow navigate away from it. It's just... And girls are less good at it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's evolutionary wise, 
we more need to bond and understand each other and work out where we fit in because mm. technically a boy could just sort of run faster or leave. I don't, you know, that there, there, there's a basic evolutionary. So girls and self-esteem, girls are more vulnerable mm -hmm. to lower self-esteem. We're less good at passing a fair and positive assessment on ourselves. We're more eager to work out how everybody else is doing. Um, and of course, the other sort of demographic really vulnerable self-esteem mm. as teenagers mm -hmm. because that was the quest the teenage quest to go out and work out who you are exactly. and throw everything up in the air yeah. and also you put teenagers and girls together and that's and this is why social area. media is so dangerous at this point mm. you know when i was a teenager if i had to deal with instagram it would make it a whole lot harder yeah. on a different level the teenage quest is pretty tough mm. I've got to move away from my family. I've got to work out who I am and where I fit in. And we did it in the real world. It was, it was pretty challenging, but nobody was watching. No. You could go home and you could just pretend it hadn't happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but our kids can't. If yeah. they're left out, they're left out publicly. Um, if they um, do anything wrong, it, it's out there. You know, they're ranked, they're rated, they're compared. And, and I think that's super, super hard, but we gave that virtual life to them. Um, but we have, and, you know, I'm going to delay it. My children are seven mm. and ten, and they don't have a phone, and I'm delaying it as much as I possibly can. You've probably got a little bit of time. Yeah, I would say 13 is when I have to start. Thinking. I think you'll get the pressure quickly, quick, quicker than that. I think it will come sooner than that, but that's okay, because when kids pressure us for something, we don't give it to them. No. I'd like the keys to your car and a bottle of vodka. <laughs> we don't go, oh, okay, then we don't fold. So we do have to withstand that pressure because they want to fit in with their peers. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen? You know, in your opinion, where do you think this can't just keep building and getting bigger and bigger and bigger? So what's going to happen? What's the future of platforms like Instagram and TikTok, the, you know, the ones for the younger well, not for the younger. Look at the age ratings. They're 13 plus, aren't they? But yes, they're very attractive yeah. to younger kids. Um, I I think not much will happen mm. in my fantasy life. Parents will get together. We'll talk more mm -hmm. um, with each other um, and act more collaboratively. That idea of it takes a village. It certainly takes a digital village. To think about play dates with kids. So You've got your two lovely boys and you invite another couple of lovely boys to come around <laughs> and play here. And one of them brings a phone. So we need to have sort of rules and things about that. We need to work with other parents. What works for you? What are you doing? How are you handling it? We need to be much more open and, have a real and supportive and have a real dialogue with yeah. other parents. Um, but I also think, and I'm, um, I'm not doing it personally at the moment, but in many ways, parents need to really lobby government and say, we need you to protect our kids. We'll do it at home. Mm -hmm. But you need to work with us on the other side. And I would love to see things like, you know, that we've got this new bill coming. I would love to see, there should be, they can lock down and trace things on mm. these sites. And they're not doing it for children. Well, that is definitely something that we need to discuss maybe in another session. Um, but this has been super interesting. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate your time. And as I was saying before, Juliet runs the parent team. Do you want to tell 
how you can get in touch with you. Um, yes, you can get in touch with us. It's a, um, we thought it was a really cool website address, www, everybody's got that bit, dot, theparent.team. Okay, theparent.team. Um, and there's lots of information um, out there and we're always happy to chat with parents. It's one of our favourite things to do. Okay, so that's brilliant. So if anyone wants to get in touch, um, there you have it. Thank you so much and see you next time.